Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Real spoilers powered by ReviewSTL.com. Warning. The following film discussion will ruin the ending of any movie you haven't seen. Example. Bruce Willis is dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. See how I ruined it for you? Just like that. Here are a few more. Silent Breed is people! I am your father. Get it? Real spoilers. You've been warned. Broadcasting from the Lush But Not Lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 596, The Bad News Bears Go to Japan. Hooray. So could, they have, could they have stayed there? Yeah, I saw one of the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes just said, please stay there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, before we get uh, too far afield, or should I say uh, outfield, uh-huh. Let's uh, let's go around the table and everyone can uh, introduce themselves. This is Joe. This is Kevin. And this is Tom. Quick shameless plugs. Don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, uh, iTunes, I, I heart. <laughs> Tune in wherever you get them. You can find us. Be sure and subscribe while you're there so you never miss an episode. And then check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group and uh of course, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash real spoiler. So, um, uh, bad news bears. So I, let me, um, just give you some background since this is the third movie. The second film was called bad news bears in breaking training, which was always such a weird title. Like it, that is a weird title. Like they want to call it breaking training, which I don't even really get what that's supposed to mean. And then, <laughs> and then it's like I, I think they were trying to do like um like how they used to do with old time movies. Like there were like they had had the Bowery Boys, and the Bowery Boys were in uh I forget what movie they premiered in, but they premiered in like more of a drama, and they were the comic relief. But then. They pulled them out of that and gave them the, their own film series, and mm. it was always like the Bowery Boys in this, oh. the Bowery Boys in that, and like, and those were much more comical. I forget what the it was like going my way or something very pretty serious. Maybe it was Boys Home, something like that. But anyway, and so I think they were trying to do that. I guess it's probably also a kind of a way to say you're getting the bad news bears. You're not necessarily getting everyone <laughs> from the original. Um, yeah. So the premise they were of, making the bad news bears into the stars, the characters, right? And they yes. were going to have them do a bunch of the bad news bears do this, the bad news bears do that. Yeah, but obviously they're playing beat the clock, right? Because they're kids. So mm-hmm. you get are th- they in this? In this one, I'm not so sure. I think well, they look like some of them look like they're in their twenties. Yeah, well, because in the original, like the 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 ages are all over the map. So like in in the original one. Like Whitewood was fourteen, Kelly was fourteen, Stein was fourteen, Ogilvy was thirteen, Engelberg was twelve, Amanda was twelve, Ahmed twelve, uh, and then Feldman uh, was ten or was eleven. Tanner was ten, and then the um, Miguel was eight, and then Timmy Lupus I think was 
was six. So, um, but so some of them were still kind of the right age. But yeah, they made three of these in three years. So they come back the next year, nineteen seventy-seven. Right. I was gonna say they were capitalizing on the success of the first one, and yeah. they were trying to line them up like. Yeah. Just one after another, of course, because they are kids and right. the clock is ticking. So the first one, or the, the first sequel, Breaking Training, is 1977. It's still a hit. It makes $19 million, which adjusted... Well, it's coming off a hell of a movie. Yeah, so adjusted for inflation, it's, it made $80 million, and and uh, it has the it had the bulk of the kids back. You didn't get Walter Matthau, you didn't get Tatum O'Neill, um, but you did get pretty much the entire team to return for that um with the exception of you'll see in this one as well they recast engelberg so that's a different yeah it's a different kid playing engelberg because that I, in between time had already caught up and the kid had like grew four inches and lost 60 <laughs> lost thinned 60, out yeah <laughs> and he didn't look like engelberg anymore so they they cast another kid and i guess to hedge their bets they cast a kid that was significantly heavier um yeah <laughs> when this kid this walked time, on screen i was like good lord yeah but he was the same kid i believe from the second one right tom correct so they recast i'm talking about breaking training at this point so right. breaking training um they is you get your new engelberg because the other kid didn't look like the character anymore so and then they they kept him in the next one. So mm-hmm. basically, and then in that one, they don't have a coach, and they basically have to con. They essentially steal a van, and they're going to play an exhibition game in in Houston at the Astrodome uh, against a team called the Toros. And it's implied that another baseball season has taken place in the interim, and that they won the championship. Which I was going to say, I love the balls on these kids. Where they suck so bad, yeah. But by the time they get to the second movie, they're like, "No, we're gonna, st- we're that good that we're gonna play at the Houston Astrodome." Yeah. So like they, so, <laughs> like it's kind of implied. I don't know that it's ever flat out said, but it's kind of implied that a season has gone by and they they won that year, and so now because they won, they get invited to go to this championship game. I got you. And they were clearly planning on making more of these because they even reference. Um, in this one, there's a line where they say that, like, oh, the winner of this might get to go to Japan. And so <laughs> they were clearly laying the groundwork for Bad News Bears goes to, goes to Japan. So um, another ballsy move. So but the, the second one, while not as good as the first one, is infinitely better than this one. It's if you like the first one, I think it's worth watching. And and uh, um, but you get a lot. You the kids are in a van traveling across country. It's basically a road picture. And so. You get the kids in a way, you know, and they're they're interacting and that's fun. And then they go to the Astrodome and they play this team and they're about to lose. And then they call the game because it's in between a double header. And they're like, your exhibition game is taking too long. And then Tanner refuses to leave the field and they're they're chasing him around the field to try and get him <laughs> off. And uh, and then the crowd like takes the side of the kids and starts chanting, let them play. And uh, I should also say. While they're in Houston, they Kelly Leak finds his father, and they use him as the coach, so they have an adult representing them there. And so there's there's that storyline of you still get that kind of father son relationship instead of father daughter. And then you know they win the game, everybody's happy, and the movie ends. So uh, that's and then we get this one, yeah. So that's breaking training, and then now we and not that there's a lot of continuity between these movies, but that's what occurs now. Or go to Japan, which um, ah, 
which this made movie is this terrible. Awful. This, awful. I was trying to think of like all of the misbegotten sequels. This is probably the second worst. Maybe no. It's just, this could be the worst. I was. I thinking don't know. I mean, you got whatever the, happened. The Rosemary's to, Baby. Rosemary's one. Baby was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. Oh, yeah. That's it. Looked say, better. It looked te- better than Rosemary's Baby because this was an actual movie on on a screen. <laughs> right. That was the difference. Is the the budget for Rosemary's Baby was so terrible because it was a TV movie. Right. This one looked better and it was shot on location in Japan, so it had that going for it. So it, it's definitely better than that, but. It's a low bar for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, did you guys have subtitles for this or no? No. I okay, I good. Know. So I watched it. I I rented this because there was nowhere else to watch it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I was just like, man, there's a lot of Japanese dialogue that goes. And I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's it was like I have no clue what there we're saying. There are large stretches of this movie where you get Japanese and they don't tell. They give you nothing. Nothing. It was so weird. They have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So. Look, this one's going to be a lot of us just dogging on it because there's not a lot. There's so where the first movie and I guess it sounds like the second movie, not so much. But like where the first movie like centers around baseball. This one has this almost has no baseball. There's at about, no baseball. So um, at about the 15 minute mark, there's a baseball scene. And other than that, you don't get baseball again until like the last 20 minutes of this movie. It, it's what's so horrible about this film. You're you're after watching the great first one and whether or not you see the second one, you're clearly there to see these kids play baseball. And right. they just don't do it. This they movie is about everything else. I don't understand how the same guy that wrote the script for the first one comes back for this one and that first one's so good and this one he can't write about anything relevant to what we want to see. I think that's because the first one came from a personal place and now it's like, oh, they're going to throw money at me to write a sequel. Sure. And he doesn't know where to go with the story. And so and and, uh, and the story was already probably dictated to him. Right. Like they were like, oh, this one, they go to Japan, make that a thing. And so you know what the, I don't want to see? A Kelly Leak love story. Yeah, like <laughs> that's the last thing I want to see. Yeah, and I I read years ago I could not find it but there was a there was a Bad News Bears like fan website and so I don't know how true this is but but I had read that like he wasn't going to do this movie. He wasn't going to come back for it. And then I guess they threw extra money at it and they beefed up his part a little bit and and he and at the last cuz they knew that they needed him because at this yes. point like you know only only five kids come back for this. You get Kelly Leak, you get Ahmad, you get Miguel. So only one of the Mexican brothers explain that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they, they almost say one of them got deported. Yeah, and then and then Rudy Stein, and then uh, Feldman, and Toby, and uh, okay, okay. But I mean, seriously, like, doesn't doesn't so this is this has um, Tony Curtis? Doesn't he say? He's like, if you don't play, I'm gonna, I'm gonna report you. Like, is that, this, that is that in this one? It's in one of them. It's either in the first one or it's in this one where they. I don't the only, only talk about deporting children. The only thing I remember illegal. is, um, uh, it, Tony Curtis has a line where he says how rough it's going to be to get him back in the country. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Because oh, he's yeah. illegal. Yes, yeah, that's that was, right. Yeah, that, he's like, I don't know how we're going to get this kid back in the country. He didn't threaten him. He was trying to sweeten no, this news. No, that's story. right. That's so right. let me give you a little background, because there's not much to talk about in this movie, because they don't freaking do anything except for yeah. wander around <laughs> Japan. So 
Okay, so this is from the AFI website, and according to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences library files, producer Michael Ritchie's agent, Sam Cohn, suggested Japan as a location for the sequel to Bad News Bears uh, after seeing how well the original was doing in that country. So the Bad News Bears was a huge hit over in Japan. That's why you get that Japanese poster that I shared. The people loved the movie, so they thought, well, we'll just go and we'll bring them their own Bad News Bears movie so that's the reason they chose to do it there and obviously baseball is very popular over in japan so he agreed the country would be a good setting for another installment um let's see uh they've got some information about the production which doesn't really matter according to a july 14th 1978 article in the hollywood reporter the bad news bears go to japan grossed over nine million dollars after 38 days in wide release however on march 24th 1979 the la times reported the film earned 6.4 million according to a lawsuit filed by walter Matthau. The star of the first Bad News Bears protested the inclusion of the original film in a television package that included the two sequels because the deal imposed an even distribution of licensing fees. Matthew Matthau oh. argued the film, the original film, was more successful than the sequels, yeah. and therefore he should be awarded a greater share of the gross of the television rights. I mean, he's not wrong. So there was some legal trouble over this one, because, which I thought was really interesting. I didn't expect Mathau to pop up anywhere related to this movie. But, uh, yeah, totally. He was in court. He tried to distance himself He's, as much as he could. He, he was. He was like, keep this movie the hell away from my head. Right? Okay, so so that's the background on the production of this movie and the troubles afterwards. Um, so this is from the LA Times, I believe. This is an article called Bad News Travels Fast Dash to Japan uh, by Greg. Greg Kilday. And so he says Paramount Pictures is banking that has discovered a new gang of dead end kids and his ragtag juvenile baseball team, the Bad News Bears. Just real so quick, Kevin. Is, just real quick. Yeah. Uh, the dead end kids was what they also refer to as the Bowery Boys. They're like the kind of the same thing. So ah, there you go. Yeah, so okay. see, you're right. Okay. Like, good call on that one. So after the success of the first one, they were banking on tons of these movies. The third installment in the Bears' ongoing adventures is about to go before the cameras in Japan, and future entries into the projected series call for the Bears to go on to summer camp, Cuba, and the Moscow Olympics. Well, they definitely say Cuba. They at the set end of up this Cuba. One, like, let's go to Cuba. We can talk to Castro. Yes. So they planned on, they already were, they already had wrapped productions on breaking training. They were getting started to do Japan and they had summer camp Cuba in the Moscow Olympics <laughs> lined up. So, uh, the creation of the screenwriter, William Lancaster and Michael Ritchie, the bad news bears was released in the summer, blah, 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 earned 25 million. So the next line, when Michael Eisner took over president of Paramount pictures, so of course, Michael Eisner is known for his 10 years Disney. Uh, he immediately decided to take advantage of the bears appeal by turning out a quick sequel. And so then that's when they go into the one breaking training is going to come out. So Eisner, who, to his credit, uh, if you think about the success he had over at Disney and the way that he revitalized their animation department and saved the company, uh, he was, I mean, he got that job because of what he did at Paramount. And so he saw the success of the first one and he basically had yeah. six movies roadmapped before this thing. That's well, crazy. It also explains the title of that first one, right? Bad News Bears in Breaking Training. Right. They the were movie ready is to, technically yeah. called Breaking Training, but it's mm-hmm. oh. but it's Bad News Bears in Breaking Training, right? Right. And, and and uh, and just uh, real quick, uh, the bo- uh, my notes I had I showed that the box the box office for this was seven million dollars. Um, 
but uh, adjusted right, for... Right, so they tried to make it out like it was more, but <laughs> yeah. the auditing showed it only made like seven. <laughs> right, and then um, adjusted for inflation, that was out to $27 million today. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and I think this will so- segue into what Joe wants to talk about, but I think this uh, that because they knew that this movie was... Su- the first one was such a big hit in Japan... And their goal was to maybe try to set up a Japanese franchise with some of these kids, perhaps. I think that explains why, because I had never seen this movie till till oh, yesterday. Neither had I. Uh, I've only seen the cover box. <laughs> yeah, and so because I just knew it was so bad, and Breaking Training yeah. is okay, but it's not great. And I'm like, well, if it's worse than that, like there's, I, I just never heard <laughs> it. So, right. um, but I will say, um, with the exception of of a racial slur and the first part of the movie i was really surprised with how um how inoffensive this movie was from a culture way standpoint. more tame i thought this movie like i think i said on the episode before last leading into this week i'm like is this movie going to be a hate crime yeah like i and, and i'm not saying that there aren't things that you know that people that you know that take their japanese heritage seriously might not be offended by because there are you know it certainly focuses on some very stereotypical aspects of sure. japanese culture with geishas uh-huh. and 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 you know martial arts displays and things like that but but it definitely like it for the most part it's especially for the era that it's made 1978 it's really it's not it never makes fun of how they talk it never um it you know it it never really makes them the butt of the joke sometimes the people in the movie don't really fully understand the culture but it's never it, it never really felt like it was played for laughs now some of that might be because almost nothing in this movie is being played There's for laughs that's funny yeah but not at all but um uh but yeah like i really thought going into this like oh jesus this is going to be really <laughs> really offensive and the i was only offense the only offensive thing about this movie is how bad it is yeah and yeah. i mean i'm not saying that to just try to be snarky this is a no terrible, no no it's legit. this is a bad movie, movie. It, it really movie. is bad because again you're talking about a team they had no idea what to do that's the yeah. main problem with this movie they had the bad news bears they wanted to take them to japan because the first movie was popular there but they didn't set it up like it was a big tournament. They didn't set it up to right. have a whole bunch of games and funny things to do. It's one game. It's one game. This one, this exhibition yeah. match between the Japanese team, who nobody wants to face, and the Bad News Bears. And so you can't have an hour and a half game. So what do you do? You send them to Japan and you put them on game shows. And you, yeah. you just do, they, they do they go to this martial arts competition. They do all this useless stuff, which if it were a different movie, okay, maybe it'd be interesting to take in the culture and see different things. But you're here in a kid's movie wanting to watch kids play baseball. You're these not, kids that you, these, these kids that you have invested in, yes, it, right? It made, like you're invested in the bad news bears at least after the first movie. It made no sense to go watch like like those scenes with the martial arts. I swear, were like 20 minutes. Yeah, they were they, long. They, and never. I, ended. I had to come. I had to. I had to pause this. And I was like, I gotta come. Like yeah. I'm falling asleep. Like, yeah. I gotta come back to this. I gotta go run around the block six times. I fell asleep maybe. twice in this movie, and I watched it like <laughs> one in the afternoon, so it wasn't late at night. It I was. It could not keep my attention. It was. No, it was no, horrible. It, it's boring and like look we we have joked about jackie earl haley uh his physical features he just looked like an adult at 17 (laughs) he he well no he looked like he looked like that he was he had just entered that super awkward phase right like he's not a kid he's not an adult but he's got like that 
sort of adult face on that's, a kid body. Yeah, it's like his, he, he, his face looked like an adult. Stein as a was kid. the same way. But I will also say he's got charisma. Like I, I he does. I still yeah. believe that he's a ladies' man because he's mm-hmm. just got. I mean, he's firing on ladies constantly, and he's just got this 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 uh, this confidence about him. Yeah, he's got my favorite line in the first movie is when they go to the the ballet rehearsal. <laughs> and he's like hitting on one of the one of the adults that's taking a class, and he's like, yeah. he's like, you like motorcycles? I drive I drive a Harley Davidson. Does that turn you on? Like it's just that's great. <laughs> was, it, was it this? Was it this one where Tony Curtis is like, hey, where's my drink? And like it cuts to him talking to a gal at a bar. Mm-hmm. Is that this one? Yeah, that was good. <laughs> where, where he just like takes he takes the Tony cigarettes. Drink Remember off. the cigarettes? Yeah, he, yeah, hey, you want a cigarette? And he like gets three of them out of the pack, and, and he like, fumbles you, around. There's a moment where the girl looks at him and just goes, "Maybe." Yeah. <laughs> like there's a moment where she's like, nah, "I don't know." Like, yeah. A couple more drinks. I don't know. But oh. I think uh, like obviously the first one suffers. The the first sequel suffers because of a lack of Walter Matthau and Tatum O'Neill. And so, but you know, you kind of make your peace with that, and it and it's okay. But like the problem here is that I think you also you lose more kids, but more importantly, you lose Tanner and yeah. and uh, and and the actor who played Tanner, Chris Barnes, like he wants nothing to do with these movies. Like he he really? ne- he'll ne- he doesn't talk about them. He's never turned up on any of the retrospectives or the where are they nows. Like oh, he, I wonder why. He wants nothing to do with it. And I That's weird. And I th- I, guess, I mean I think some of it and I'm just guessing is that Tanner's a funny character, right? But the people who really embrace Tanner the most are probably not the people that you want to be your fans. Like oh. most people that a lot of people who are embracing Tanner that would probably interact with the actual actor aren't going to be people that are like, it was very inappropriate, but it was funny. They're going to be like, yeah, I'm so glad to hear somebody saying those things. Oh, and yeah. like, like Andrew Dice Clay fans. Yeah. And so I I think that, you know, like that's a fun, funny character in context. But if your takeaway is is Tanner's really cool, mm-hmm. like right. that it, instead Good of call. like... Tanner's inappropriate and that's funny in the context of this film and the larger message is that he's wrong even I though you're, you're laughing because it's so inappropriate like I think he and I think that I thought I had read that that he came from a Catholic family and he takes it pretty seriously and I think that maybe he looks back on this and he's just like yeah that man had not been the best thing and he just yeah he won't talk about it interesting so yeah. in this movie they they cast Tony Curtis as the manager figure. So he's a he's an agent. Is that what we're supposed? So I to? thought he w- I thought he was like a like a pitch man. I, I, I that took, was my- I, yeah. He's just a like a like some sort of Hollywood a- agent manager kind of guy who has a gambling problem and lots of gambling debts. The the per- the, the person you want around children. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but that's the same as the first one. Like, I get, I like what, like their their instinct here isn't wrong. Like, they get a guy who, instead of having a drinking problem, has a gambling problem, and yeah, and 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 they make him the manager. They bring in a big name actor, like they did with Walter Matthau, right? Like, so, sure. like, like they're like they're they start off kind of going down the right road here, right? right. I honestly, I could see Tony Curtis as. 
Buttermaker. Totally. I thought they were just going to, yeah, recast the role. I thought it was so... I, I was not into the manager thing, probably because the script is so poorly written. Yeah. But I yeah. just <laughs> was not into his constant hijinks of trying to do, like, negotiate t- television deals. Like, who cares? Right. This is... He it. also... <laughs> he, he accidentally takes a kid to uh, a massage quote-unquote well parlor. to be fair he didn't take them there he yeah. no i'm just saying like but there's a scene where he is leaving a massage parlor but right. also like in child. japan those massage parlors aren't sexual right uh oh, this one was i 100 percent believe kid, that yeah. the kid's like well now you now you get married right i 100 percent like, believe it was what? oh maybe he, it was i mean he definitely I just got a happy ending attention. in that massage <laughs> yeah. parlor oh, and then absolutely. they have a whole sex talk afterwards yeah but i remember but those, the sex but that talk was one of the most endearing parts of the movie honestly him and those i will say those two together yeah him and mustafa i liked them, I liked them a lot who's ahmed's brother though yeah. they're just like they have this bond that kid is so likable and and like innocent this little kid and he really likes uh, the Tony Curtis character, and he always wants to hang around him. And they have nice little moments. As I think that they thought this was going to be their Tanner, right? And yeah. that, and that if they want to make more of these, they realize they had to start bringing in younger kids. And I will also say that, like, this is kind of a trope at this point in the seventies is bringing in the cute, mouthy black kid, right? Different Strokes is a huge mm-hmm. television show. Sure. Like this is their Gary Coleman. He's and- a cute kid. I I looked him up because I. I, I've like I must have seen him somewhere, but it seems like this is the only movie he ever did. But that character is in a lot of different and I <laughs> will yeah, and I I will also say that like I re, I didn't remember it until I saw it, but like I remember the commercial for this movie, and and they and they really they they focused a lot on that moment in the in the wrestling ring where he gets up on the ropes and he's like you gonna get it now sucker and <laughs> and jumps on the guy like that yeah. was in all the commercials that Jeez. was yeah well, it was horrible <laughs> um so tony curtis apparently at this time was writing a lot of books so uh, i found an article from the san francisco examiner from 1977 that says tony's first book kid andrew cody and julie sparrow uh got him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars uh for the rights to that and then uh he is getting five hundred thousand dollars for his rights to his second novel starstruck and the writer-actor is about to leave for the Far East, where he'll star in The Bad News Bears Go to Japan for Paramount for about $350,000. This dude was making bank. But that's crazy that he was getting more for his books than he was for a movie. Half a million and 77 for his second book, and then 350000 for this movie. That's a payday. That's, that's that fascinating. That's a big old payday. Yeah, so just, it's interesting. I mean, he's... I don't know. When did I, when did he die? I'm not sure. Because his because is Janet Lee still alive? No, I don't think so. Is she? I don't know. I know. I mean, she was in Halloween. Janet H2O. Lee died in 2004, and he okay. and Tony Curtis okay. died in 2010. Oh wow! So I mean, recently, ten yeah yeah ten years ago. Good lord, that was. But I ago. this movie's so bad. I mean, I don't want to say Tony Curtis is the problem. He's no, I mean, I, he's really the only person doing anything in this movie. But it's also terrible material. But to, <laughs> but Tony Curtis is not phoning it in. Like he is. No, no, he's, he's in. He is. He's in the whole time. He's making a concerted effort. I mean, I think it's just was, really bad though. What yeah. he's doing is so bad because yeah. of the script, and which really is a head scratcher. Again, I know that the first one was a passion project for the guy, but the the fact that it's such a good movie those lines are, are memorable and we love it so much and then you get him into this one and you would think that he could have come up with something even if it were um 
it was personal because he's coming back to this franchise that that was really right. successful and was so good. Right. You would think he could have tapped into something to make it about the baseball and the kids and enjoyable, but you hardly even follow the kids. That the, the kids are like in the middle. The, the kids are barely in this. <laughs> yeah, thing. as frustrating is that there isn't very much baseball in this one because honestly, the second one doesn't have a whole lot of baseball. But it's almost constantly the kids. and But it's the yes. This movie's not about the kids. You barely see the kids in this movie. So not only are half of them gone at this point, but you barely see them. And It's terrible. The middle of the movie, the entire thing is like they go to that martial arts thing and it lasts 20 or 30 minutes. And they're <laughs> they're in the audience. They like cut to them sometimes, right? And they're doing it's, this martial arts thing in the middle or the, or the the wrestling thing in the middle of an empty arena. Like, Well, no, it starts off as a martial arts thing. Right. right? Like right. it's Antonio Noki and who is, I mean, here's your wrestling corner. He's the Japanese Hulk Hogan. Like the that dude uh, is a... Is I don't is a massive star. Well, that like, dude gives Bruce Campbell a run for his money. I'll tell you that much. With that shin? Oh my gosh! Did you watch that video I sent you? Yeah. That he pummels that dude. Did that dude do something wrong? And yes. Ki- okay. Yes. Because so, he starts kicking him in the head. So there's I sent the guys a video. You can find it on YouTube. It's uh, Antonio Noki versus Antonio the Destroyer. And so okay, wrestling real quick. If you are, uh, if you, you need to sell. And when, when I say sell is like when somebody hits you, quote unquote, you need to make it look like they hit you. That's the way this thing, it's a performance art. That's right. the way this works. And it's in like being Japan, a stuntman. Exactly. In Japan, it's a different, it's a different thing over there. Like they, they take things very serious. Like, you know, in the, the Western wrestling, like the West, our version of wrestling, right? Like fireworks and signs and your crowd is engaged back then in Japan, they the, the crowd didn't make a sound hmm. like they made they made a sound when a big move happened like a, a big move being a body slam then the crowd reacts but otherwise they are completely silent so what happens in this video is this guy thinks it's gonna be a good idea to test antonio Inoki, who is legitimately a badass and so he stops selling for him and antonio Inoki pummels him to no end <laughs> yeah. to the point where the guy on the outside the like the not iron sheet real yeah he realizes that oh we're in we're in the weeds i need to like throw a towel in just he so goes into the ring and is like he's, trying he's to like, get stop it. stop stop <laughs> so like when he shows up on screen i was like oh shoot like this is like this is legit like that's in japan you put him in a movie like this makes sense well, and I and I feel like probably those Japanese game show people were probably real hosts of Japanese oh, game sure. shows. Yeah, I think they sure. really put a lot of effort into this movie for Japan, being yes. as they said the first one's so successful. They clearly did more for the Japanese to go. Oh, look, it's this thing and this part of our culture and this show we watch and this wrestling. Where the Western audiences are there for the Bad News Bears. <laughs> Do and, you think this was a backdoor way to get like a Japanese remake of the Bad News Bears? Like to spin this franchise off in Japan? Yes, I think that's exactly. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if the goal was to take the team that we see in this movie and mm-hmm. and have them have but their good, own though. franchise in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's that's the problem. Are right? they good or are they just better than the Bears? Like, right? Like that's. <laughs> well, I think they were know. the best. Weren't they the best team in Japan though? That's why they were playing though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's it's a low bar. Yeah. <laughs> against the Bad News Bears. I like this. So this movie review, this is from the San Bernardino. This movie's so bad, we have to go to San, Bern- San Bernardino. 
well, to get a review. Like nobody <laughs> there, reviewed this movie. There's the other San Bernardino Chronicle. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's other there's other ones in here. But yeah, this is the San Bernardino County Sun, July sixteenth, nineteen seventy eight. The headline is Bad News Bears Go to Japan, a desperate voyage to nowhere. <laughs> we had to get that's a review yeah. from the St. Louis Globe Democrat. <laughs> but that's the perfect title though, because yeah. this movie goes nowhere. It it does nothing that you want to see. And while I don't mind going to a different country and seeing the culture, all that's fine. But when you're there to see the bad news bears, you expect one baseball two the kids, the bad <laughs> the news kids. bears. And this movie gives you hardly any of that. Yeah. And uh, it was just the reason why it feels so boring and we're falling asleep during it is they just don't go anywhere. You know, five minutes on a Japanese game show. Fine. In a bad news bears movie. Fine. Sure. Five minutes in a wrestling match, a little side thing. Fine. But when you depart for 20 minutes at and the time, other thing, is it like, OK, if you're going to include the Japanese game show, Put the Bears on the show, not the like, Japanese team that right, no one like, knows. The Japanese team goes on the on the game show. You're just like, I guess I'm invested in these kids now, even yeah. though I have no clue what. Right? No, like, you're not. Spoiler alert. You're yeah, not. and it's like the closest you get to that is in in that wrestling scene where the Bears go into the ring and chaos breaks out, and it's still pretty dumb. But, it's terrible. But uh, but like, but yeah, like when you're seeing all these things, like you're literally watching the Bears watch what's going on in the movie yes <laughs> it's so well, it's, weird and I, and I think that goes to like we talked about is there's they take kelly out of the movie almost all together i almost wonder they, if like they added kelly leak at the last minute and so like they almost had that's to, the only thing that makes that, oh, like, that's they, why he's by himself right that they almost scenes. had to give him the side adventure because oh. they had already filmed the other stuff or they were in the it would had already been kind of scripted and blocked in that i bet so because yeah he's really makes sense. has his own adventure yeah because you really don't see him all that much interacting with the other actors like he's almost always off on his own doing something so but they almost they almost neuter him yeah like he's such a badass in the first one where you're just like yeah i want the rough and tumble kid who comes to the right you know, who kind of has a heart of gold but is still kind of a jerk and this one he's just like a lovesick puppy right and yeah. i'm like i don't like this you know like maybe this maybe this movie works maybe that character works if it's amanda well, you know, the the other problem is who they have him lovesick over, right? Like like him and Amanda are a fun couple. Right. Because he's tough, but she's tougher. And right. she doesn't exactly. take any of his guff. And instead we get this stereotypical tee hee hee laughing behind her hand Asian. Okay, so girl. what is that? Like, I don't know. The covering of the teeth? Like, is that a thing? I think, it, I think it's a cultural. I think just, it's a uh, cultural yeah. thing. Yeah, okay. I think I, I like. I, I don't know for sure. So if if I have if we have Asian listeners that are mad at me now, I apologize. But like, I, I mean, the other thing is, I guess the only thing offensive, like he calls her a geisha. She's not really a geisha. She's just that's just her like school or outfit or something. I don't think she's actually training to be a geisha. Is that no. even a thing anymore? I honestly have no clue. Well, back I've then no it probably was. Yeah, but I, I mean, uh, it's, I but, just um, I think that may be a little bit like offensive because he just presumes that she's yeah like i be i think that like the, i don't know the, the movie certainly probably has aspects that are culturally insensitive but i also don't think that it's it was setting out to do that i think it was trying to walk this line of like we're still gonna send the bears to japan and, and it's gonna be funny but like we're gonna show their culture in a positive light no i agree overall. because this was oh, sure, supposed sure, sure. to 
this was like supposed to they, ingratiate itself yes. within Japan itself in real time. Yeah. Exactly. So I do, definitely don't think they set out to be offensive. So in that same review from the San Bernardino newspaper, uh, they go on to say that the bad news bears go to Japan has the appearance of a movie made by people who didn't know how or who didn't care or who possibly turned over their responsibilities to the Japanese airlines and the Japanese tourist bureau right. whose principal interests are prominent among these screen images. Right. That, and that, I mean, I messaged you that basically Kevin, right? I was like, this is yeah. some sort of like, like, cultural liaison type of film like totally I, like hey we, there's we like have a mcdonald's there's like 40 minutes where it just it just starts just sh- i mean it basically just shows you b-roll of japan <laughs> yeah like i think it had to have been where they were trying to get this franchise over there they, they were they were catering to them because of the success of the first and they they either had a deal there was some kind of financial I, thing i, I couldn't wonder find if, evidence of that i know but, i i wonder if japan somehow like covered a part of the budget like the tourism and you have or, to show our game shows and our, right. our wrestling and it, because it's so prominent compared yeah. to what the plot of the movie should and, have been. And the movie, which was never going gangbusters, just comes to a screeching halt while they yes. do yeah. all that for 40 minutes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, at least when you're with Tony Curtis and the kids. So you have the moment where he's he sees them on TV. They can't raise enough funds to get to Japan, but they're supposed to be able to face this team. So he he calls them all into this. Are they supposed to face this team, or they de- do they want to face this team? Well, from I mean, I think from Tom saying in the second movie that we didn't watch, I think they earned a shot at the Japanese team. I see, I see. Okay. So I infer that they're supposed to. Clearly, that they want. Sense. Clearly, they want to either way, and they are trying to raise funds. They go on a TV show. Which rest in peace. Regis, I didn't think this would be our dedication uh, that, I, to Regis. Thank you for Philbin. bringing that up. Yeah, when Regis, I, I, I heard the voice. You, you couldn't see him because it's such a small TV, <laughs> but you heard well, he the does voice. Have a very, you know, that's a voice that people are. Yeah. age, I think everybody remembers. It's his the voice 70s, and... so he's much younger. But as soon as you hear that voice, you're like, "That's yeah. Regis." And Regis Philbin. Yeah. In this movie. So rest in peace, Regis, who died this past week. Um, but they go on TV and they're trying to get to Japan. And so Tony Curtis being this agent who is, he has a gambling problem. He's betting on horses. He hasn't paid the bookies. He's into all this trouble and he's always trying to come up with the next scheme. He's like the Bialystok. He's like, you know, he's like Max <laughs> Bialystok of this movie. So he's, so he invites them all to this lunch at this totally dated seventies LA restaurant. Like everything's pink you know yes, embroidered it's very or whatever 70s. it's, it's yeah. yeah it's horrible yeah. to look at you're just like cringing at the decor i do love where the kids walk in this is the scene where they they talk about the drink like yeah. his, kelly's not there but yeah. they start ordering like prime rib yeah. right my point well, my point young. is to, yeah. to the to your point i'm trying to say that at least when tony curtis and the kids are together there's yes. something to enjoy right it yeah. may not be the best script but you enjoy it you're like okay this is what i came for you've got the coach who he's the surrogate for um uh walter matthau walter, walter matthau. matthau from the first one clearly they're always trying to fill that surrogate role with these sequels and so you've got that you've got the kids who are tumultuous they've got this you know they're they're fighting him on everything they're trying to negotiate things and he says get lunch and they all want the filet mignon and there there are funny moments in this movie at least when they're together and then when you get to japan after they finally agree and is it ogle is it ogilvy or is it a new character who is the character that negotiates o- ogilvy Who's just kind of like we want five percent? Or is it supposed like, to be an Ogilvy surrogate? I can't. It's an Ogilvy. Ogilvy is not back for this. I think it might be Rudy. Oh, so maybe I, it's just. Like, yeah. I think it might be Rudy Stein. 
Okay, so he's negotiating, and and uh, Tony Curtis wants to give him two and a half percent. They want five, and they negotiate to four. So they get over to Japan, and then they instead of going to the the Hilton, uh, Stein has booked them at this traditional Japanese like. I don't know. Hotel, I guess. Well, but it looks like a, a dojo or something. You know what I mean? It's right. like this cultural center where the, you know, you've got the women dressed up like geishas or, you know, whatnot. And you've got the take your shoes off at the door. And it's this very, you know, beautiful, elegant place. And so they're, and, you know, and, and when they get in there, he's hitting his head on the ceilings because he's taller than the average people. You know, there's, there's. Isn't it, isn't it funny that like we, we, we gave that exact sequence like guff in oh god you devil where he keeps bonking his head on things and this one i was just like i don't know like it's it slapsticky enough that it doesn't because you're looking for anything entertaining yeah. and that's, i guess that's like, probably well, also true. like in oh god you devil it wasn't the hit in his head he kept sliding slipping down the stairs and we were like oh you're right and we were but like, our our questioning <laughs> drunk the whole time. our questioning was like why is he slipping down the stairs where <laughs> right. and this one we understand like you know and this this he's taller than the average japanese right. person and so it's built for shorter people so right. sure, and that's sure. not that even sense. and it's not like it's offensive it's just a fact that in, right. on average americans are taller so they build things differently but you get that you get him hitting his head you get the kids that are all yelling and and he's trying to do business deals and he's like i need three phones i've only got one phone here <laughs> and so he gets another phone and then stein's on a phone and he's on there and he's like give me this you take this call there are things that are enjoyable but we're talking about a total of like 10 minutes in the movie yeah that these yes. characters are all together but those for, things uh, for some <laughs> reason i w- really couldn't figure out they took the character of feldman and he's a born-again christian now and i think they and, wanted yeah. to diversify as much it was as, so weird because like the i mean the, that I mean, with a name like Feldman, that's typically a Jewish name, <laughs> and that kid is Jewish. Uh, I mean, because his last name is Marx, he's actually uh, Gummo Marx's grandson. So, like, oh, wow. he looks he looks like Harpo Marx, right? And hmm. and in the second one, when he comes up to bat, they someone even says like, "This kid looks like one of the Marx brothers," and uh, and uh, huh. it, because. Uh, Harpo would be his uncle, right? Yeah, or his that's, that's great uncle or grand uncle. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works. Great, but, great uncle, yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, so I'm like, so clearly he's Jewish or from a Jewish heritage, and so they make him a born again Christian. I, honestly, I, he had the to me he had the funniest line in the film where which one was that when uh when they get moved to the new hotel and they're going off to to hang out with the Japanese team and. And Tony Curtis is like, "What? You're gonna go hang out with the competition?" And he says, "The he's like the Lord works in mysterious ways, and He's led us to a to this wholesome fr- to a wholesome friendship." <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny when all the kids start leaving and saying, yeah. "But oh, oh, also we didn't talk about starting out how this movie." The I think maybe one of the more offensive things is, and it, but it, I mean, it shows you the American. Um, I don't know what you want to call it, but like still this ferociousness about like they're watching war movies about yeah. World War II against the yeah. Japanese. And so yep. they're basically comparing, flipping back and forth between the war movie and the Japanese baseball team. Like they're the enemy and they want to go beat the enemy. I'm like, oh, that's kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, they I even actually- use a racial slur when Engelberg's on TV, uh, yeah. you right. know, and and uh, but I mean, but they also censor it, right? No, no, even, they sit. He no, says he, it. he says M efforts, and then he uses like the Asian N word. Oh, they censor and, the M effort, and, and okay. they bleep the M efforts, but it, they don't bleep right. the other one. And but uh, so 
I thought that was like, oh, they're treating the Japanese as the enemy. Like in World War Two, they're killing. Yeah, and the when Japanese. it start, when we get Ugh. that in the first, the first five minutes of the movie, I thought like, oh, geez, this is what we're in for. And yeah, and, that's why I'm like, but this is right on track. It doesn't. <laughs> and then it completely shifts and doesn't no. doesn't do that at all. They become I, I, friends. I think Ahmed drops an end bomb. When he's kind, when right. he sees that Tony Curtis is only in this thing sure. for the money, and I, I, I do like that that scene in that he, I mean, especially given the era that that this movie is made, which is the late seventies, yeah. like that's a that's a fairly uh, cogent point to be making that like you took my little brother and turned him into a mascot, like he's not right. a person to you, he's a cute little stuffed animal that you trot out, because it was something you were seeing a lot on in TV and movies at the time, where it's like, oh, here's a cute black kid, and so like we've embraced this cute black kid, so we must be open-minded, and it's like, are you? Because as soon as he turns fifteen, you're not going to feel that way about him. Right. Yeah, you're gonna you're and, gonna push him off to the side. Yeah, and, about him. and or be scared of him, right? And R- so oh, sure, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so like that scene, I said there was one scene in this movie I liked. I take it back. There are two, and this scene with with Ahmed, where he's basically calling him on that. It, yeah, especially for a franchise that that does have problematic moments with way characters behave. Like I just thought, like. I'm like, this is a pretty like forward thinking moment for a movie from 1978. You know, I just thought it was an interesting like th- that character changes, like he becomes, uh, I don't know, like there's a there's a lovable nature to him in the first one, right, right, like you know he runs up in a tree because mm-hmm. he's embarrassed and he's. You know, there's a there's a wonderful moment between him and Walter Matthau where Matthau tells him a completely bull story about Hank Aaron striking out what, you know, the 42 errors, are, errors in Little League. Well, it's because yeah. the kid's growing up and he's seeing the world and how race relations. And, and you know, totally here's right. the thing. He has taken this trajectory. I mean, maybe we're reading way too much into this movie because it's not that good. But like, but maybe <laughs> maybe even if it isn't on the page, it's something the actor brought to it, which is he's taken this journey from cute black kid that people embrace to, well, now you're a, a black young adult. And now I'm worried you're going to steal my purse or take my car or mug me or whatever. Yeah. And so like so he's he's seen this happen personally, that he went from being cute to threatening. And the only thing that changed about him was his age. Yeah. Right. And, you and know, so, and to speak to the scene like the Joe brought up, like, yes, he uses the N word. But to its credit, as opposed to the first movie, at least Ahmed's the one that's using the N word. Yes. And also Tony Curtis is like, don't speak. Don't talk to me like don't, that. Don't, it's, don't it's, use that It's word. not a white person saying it, and Tony Curtis is also not supporting it. And he's like, hey, no, 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 no. Yeah. Don't, you know, you don't speak to me like that. We're not doing that. Because he's only, like, as is, is, uh, muddy as his intentions are, he still is taking care of them. And, and he's not, it's not malicious. Like, yes, he's selfish, but he's also not trying to hurt them or anything you know he is taking care of them. he's trying to make a buck off of them but he's not necessarily trying to do it at their expense yes they're all he also got them to japan which they wanted to so right it, it is he is not a malicious person and so i like that that he's like hey whoa whoa, whoa hold up you know yeah. and, right and so uh, so we I, we should probably just get to to the game because there's not a whole yeah. lot else to talk about. So like I get I guess the problem was they played this game earlier and the Bears really kind of 
crap the bed. And they so were the bad news bears from the first movie. Right. And which is also boring because it's like they do this in the in the second one. I'm like, how many times do we have to see this team backslide? Like they're they're right. either at some point they're either good or they're not. Like Well, it's, but to be fair though, this is the Japanese championship team. I do think it's a whole different level of baseball. And they may have even mentioned it that Yeah, but it's it's not that that team was better. They were making they were making really basic fundamental errors. They mm-hmm. couldn't. Yeah, they weren't catching they ground couldn't balls. Or they field you know. a ground ball, and they could. You know what I mean? Like that's that's running, diff- running into each. That's other different than just meeting coming across a better team. You know. Well, right. Um, it's yeah. That's the problem. Is how do you when the movie is based on a team being bad and that's right. their thing? How do you have them overcome that and then be bad again? It's yeah. So like, look at look at the Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks is a great example. Quack like quack. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. <laughs> but they're, like, they're terrible, and they get better throughout the movie, but they keep coming up against... Te- they never get... like They're terrible in the first movie, and they get better in the... Spoilers, they win, right? But then they keep playing teams that are better. They go to like the U.S. Olympic team. They're in right? the. They're in like yeah. They're in like the Junior Olympics, mm-hmm. and they're they move up else, the ranks like, so they fe- face better challengers, and that's... But the... they're constantly. But they're always bad. Right. Right, like they they only get better because they're playing harder teams. That's what I think they're doing here, though. With the Japanese team, is that's a different league. No pun intended. It's the way that it they is. take baseball is. But you're right, though. But, but they're making basic. But they errors. revert. They right. revert back to the bad news bears from the first movie. We're not seeing them lose a close game because the other people are better. We're seeing them like just right. really just behave as if they have never even encountered the game yeah. of baseball. It's because this right. movie's a exactly. terrible movie. Right. So <laughs> anyway, so like, so that's what, you know, so they lose that kind of TV deal and that's why they flounder for the next 50 minutes. And, and, uh, but then I don't even know how, but somehow they get them back. They're going to televise this game and it's going to be a big so deal. Tony so Tony Curtis basically, because the, uh, the, Real quick, the martial arts match goes bad. The guy that was the star of that ends up trying to put his head through four bricks and he gets a concussion. Out. And so Tony Curtis has to, he's like, well, wait a minute. I've got a guy that can p- compete in the wrestling match. And so he goes and tries to get some rando guy that's this old overweight guy. And that falls through. And so he ends up having to put on the costume himself and go wrestle him. But he basically, I think, makes the deal that if I can get you this guy, then you will get us the coverage for the baseball game again. And so that's how he gets okay. it back. Gotcha. And then they go to a game show for 25 minutes. Oh, my God. It's so bad. But he's like, but he convinces the Japanese coach. He's like, hey, you can get some money for new equipment for the guys. I can pay off the guys that want to break my kneecaps. Hey, we all win. Yeah. We all win, except for us watching this movie because we are constantly losing. Yeah. Yeah. The Japanese baseball team ends up winning. It's like a talent competition and they sing and they end up winning. So that's something. And then they get to the baseball game, which this is the second. I fell asleep during the game show (laughs) and I fell asleep during the baseball match. I asked Tom, like, do I really need to go back and watch? So you'll have to explain. You know, it's so you know, it's bad when you finally get to the baseball (laughs) and you're still bored. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically they the game is going on and then uh, there's a dust up on the field and then everybody walks off the field hmm. and they just walk. Away. I woke like, up and they were in a parking lot playing baseball. Yeah. Right. Like everybody, so they, I, they, they get in a fight over something and it's like, it, but it's like, Oh, the, ad- oh, oh, the, the somebody's th- thrown at somebody again. Weird. They That's- bring in, uh, remember the, so the, Oh, they bring in three ringers. They bring in three ringers to play for the Bears. And That's right. and uh and then they take is it they they took the game way too seriously and then it started start kind of started breaking down. It started a fight and then yeah. and then both teams just kind of quit and walked off the right. field with a tied gotcha. 3 to 3. So the the Japanese coach is disgraced and they think he's going to like 
th- that is a kind of a funny scene where the they're Tony Curtis and the Japanese coach are eating dinner or whatever, and the Japanese guy picks up like a knife and starts cleaning it off. Oh and my Tony god! Curtis is like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like it, it's okay. Don't like, commit don't do all that. Don't eat. <laughs> and the coach is like, what? What are you? T- yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Where just like he's completely clueless. Yeah. Um, and then they look out the window. And the kids are just playing ball on their own. They're playing a pickup and game ha- in a lot, yeah, which is yeah. the way it should be, and, right? Like just having fun playing the game. And then they go downstairs, and then the TV producer, uh, played by an actor who was one of the other team's coaches in the first movie, <laughs> uh, um, but he's like, "Let's go get the cameras. Let's get this back on TV." And they're just like, "Nope, no. we're not going to do that." And he's it, like, "You owe us for this," and blah blah blah. And yeah, he's like, well, cool. And it and Whatever. it just and this is the other scene I like. I like the fact that it basically ends with the kids playing a pickup game because they want to. Like mm-hmm. they right. want to see who wins, and they like they're like it. It kind of takes it back to its origins, like the sport itself of like for kids, which is like. We're gonna go play in in a in a field somewhere, and we'll know who won. But they're not gonna tell anybody else. And I also think it's interesting that like the first movie they lose, the second movie they win, and then the third movie they don't tell you. Like they're it's a draw. They, they're just like we're not we're gonna the kids are playing to have fun, yeah. and we're not going to tell you who wins the game. And right. And uh, and I my guess is that was also a way to not upset the Japanese audience. That way, their people didn't have to lose. Um, That's a good but, point, right? Um, be but, neutral. Yeah, but I do like the way that they, you know, it's you know, it's, speaking of another misbegotten sequel, they it, it's kind of Rocky Five, right? Like it's it is kind of yeah. We're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna and that that's the best part of that movie. I mean, it's it's definitely grading on a curve, Ugh. but um. But uh, but we're you know we're gonna take it out of the ring and it's gonna be on the street and it's gonna be because we want to know who the winner is not because of TV deals or anything <laughs> like that it's just gonna be this is we're gonna do this because we want to is that Tommy and, Gunn yeah Tommy, Tommy Gunn, Gunn yeah. Yeah. touch me and I'll suit <laughs> yeah uh, that's a great scene that last scene bad scenes bad <laughs> great scenes and bad movies yeah that that's la- a great scene that last that last f- scene that fight last fight in Rocky Five where they're in the street is. Is it's good. It's wonderful. That's a good scene, but you have to sit through a lot of bad movie to get to it. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like at the end of this movie that uh, maybe the legal department cut them off or something. But in this movie, one of the kids is wearing a Casablanca T-shirt with Humphrey Bogart's face on it. And then at the end, the way he walks away with the Japanese coach, I swear he's going to turn to him and say, "This is the beginning of a beautiful friendship." <laughs> like the <laughs> camera, like, cut it off. The, cut the it off. The camera's <laughs> the exact same way. He puts his hand over his shoulder, just like the end of Casablanca. But he doesn't say that, and I'm like, yeah. that's too weird of a coincidence. And it's, there's a Casablanca <laughs> shirt in it, and it ends like that. Like, well, Bogart did have quite the resurgence in the '70s. Like we talked about this under on during the Blackbird, um, but you know, so he he definitely kind of caught on with the younger crowd in the 70s so it, it's not crazy that somebody but i agree that last shot seems to be trying to set up some sort of homage to the the final scene in casablanca yeah. and they're clearly uh you know as they're fading out now telling you which kids won uh you know they're clearly setting up another one because tony curtis is talking about let's go to cuba going to, going to cuba and, let's get castro to throw get, out the first pitch i was like yeah well, that doesn't age well but all right so um uh so the uh, um, Carl Reiner was approached about making a fourth Bad News Bears movie. 
Oh, and that could have been I would have, That could have worked. Oh, my God. I would have loved to have seen what he yeah. would have done. But uh, so Jackie Earl Haley is going to be 23 in that one. Yeah, totally. So <laughs> Paramount, get a load of this. Paramount had arranged for Fidel Castro to co-star. No. And the what? Bad News Bears go to Cuba. And uh, and so don't forget, Castro is a huge baseball fan. He almost went pro in the, in the major leagues. Um uh, and wow. so he it was going to feature him playing catch with with the little leaguers and giving a pep talk and throwing out the first ball of the world championship game against mm. the U.S. Uh, and then kind of similar to this one in the script, the game ends with a tie of zero to zero. And then the two teams share the trophy six months at a time. So um, <laughs> was it the Stanley wow. Cup? Yeah, I know. Right. So it's. um <laughs> But you know that's the problem when you start doing this international stuff. Like obviously Cuba's not going to let you in um, if you're going to make them lose the game. But I also don't totally. know how they would have done that because there's there's so there's I mean there's the tr- there was the trade embargo. I don't know how they would have got there to actually film that movie. Maybe they don't fill it in. Oh. Hold up, we're leaving we're leaving California and we're going to the Colorado Springs Gazette, <laughs> January seventh. <7th. laughs> January 7th, 1978. Okay, so they're talking about the producer, uh, whatever, Richie. Michael Richie. He directed Michael Fletch Ritchie. as well. He's okay. directed a lot so of movies. So yeah. they're talking yeah. to Michael Richie. And in this next paragraph, they go, he might also become executive producer because he produced this one uh, for the Bad News Bears go to Cuba. And he gets a gleam in his eye when dreaming of future bad news trips to the Moscow Olympics. Right? I mentioned that. Right. And even outer space. <laughs> what? And well, the, if Jason Voorhees can do it. In the vein of the old Abbott and Costello comedies where even the sky wasn't the limit for extending the winning idea. So <laughs> not only were we talking about Cuba, summer camp, and the Moscow Olympics, he wanted to bring the bad news bears to space. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean, if you're going to go, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it. Oh. You know? Like, just just own it. Yeah. But Michael Ritchie, like, he he made uh, some other sports movies. He, he had a touch for it. He... He directed. Uh, he directed Wildcats, the football movie with That's Goldie movie. Hawn, and what a young Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson. Uh-huh. He directed uh, Digstown, the boxing movie that I sung the praises oh. of during Sting Two. That was a good movie. Um, I watched it. He, oh, thank. I'm glad you agree. I'm glad yeah. I, did, I pointed you in the right direction. I enjoy that. Uh, and, yeah. And then he also directed the Albert Brooks, Brendan Fraser movie, The Scout. I love mm, that movie. Okay, and that's a that's a that's a fun movie. And probably his biggest sports movie next to Bad News Bears, uh, he directed Cool Runnings. So, I yep, that's I got know. a lot of fans. Yeah, and he also directed. Uh, then, as we also mentioned, he directed Fletch, the sequel Fletch Lives, and yeah, uh, right. and he also directed uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, The Golden Child. Oh, interesting. Okay, so oh, that's a, what do you what do you think of John Hamm as Fletch? Uh, I think it could work because they're going to follow the books, not the movie. So you got to oh. kind of get the movie out of your head. And if you if you think about it from a book, if you, I've read all the books, uh, yeah. And um, I think if they're gonna if they're gonna be more about the books than trying to recreate the film, sure. I think I think that could totally work, and I think that's a smart way to go to because rem- Chevy Chase's performance is so memorable. I just think it's. That's it's the problem. When you compare him to Chevy Chase, it doesn't right. seem like it will work. But hopefully, because they're going off the book, it will work better. Yeah. I've got one one more thing here to go out. I think this is a very interesting way to go out. And I'm getting more respect for Michael Ritchie as we go on here. So 
it continues in the Colorado Springs Gazette article. Oddly, the Bad News Bears Go to Japan has been shot by director John Barry in two versions, including a Japanese edition where the Bears lose the climactic game. So they had a version for they Japan their bets. Where, where they yeah. lose. And this is a quote from Richie. It's the shameless pursuit of the big buck, says Richie with a self-mocking smile. I don't even consider the Bears movies to be movies for kids, although the studio sells them that way. And he settles back to muse on such madness, making the making one wonder whether he might someday turn his cameras on the craziest life movie business itself. So he even could admit that these movies, they're just trying to churn them out and make a quick buck. And I mean, I think having just produced the Japan movie and how there was nothing in it for kids. There was no fun right. stuff with the kids. He's like, yeah, I don't even consider these kids movies. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and because they star kids, you got to turn them out. Like if you want to bring the cast right. back, right. like you, you got to do it quick. Like you can't come back in five years and, and, and yeah. make another bad news bears movie. You, you gotta get, get to it. So, and, and even if you bring in new kids, like if you want to have some connective tissue from film to film, you almost have to put out one a year or at the at the most one every two years. So, sure. Um, you know, and that, I guess I feel like that's kind of the missed opportunity is th- your bad news bears could almost be like James Bond. Sure. Yeah, you could. It could be like Minuto. New team every year. You know, and and but it, you keep like one or two players from the first one, and then right. I and mean, that's what Minuto did. That was the genius of Minuto. Like, I mean, they would they would bring in new people, but they would never bring in all new people. Right. It's right? pitch like, perfect. Yeah. Like you would. Yeah. Exactly. You, yeah. You would keep people, and then as they'd age out, you you'd bring in some new people, and so you'd always have connective tissue to get you from place to place. And mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, it, it was. It was brilliant, honestly. So yeah, well, but uh, this movie this wasn't. And this was movie, awful. Yeah, this movie was the highlight for me was Antonio Inoki. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so fun. Uh, we, again, uh, here here are the top ten grossing movies of 1978. Let's see how many remakes we've got. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of where you're at in the uh, in the in the pop culture zeitgeist. So uh, coming in at number ten, The Deer Hunter remake free. Uh, and then Revenge of the Pink Panther at number nine. So that's I'll been, give, that gets a remake. Yeah, that does. Uh, number eight, Up in Smoke. I did not realize how popular those Cheech and Chong movies were. That, oh, man, those first two for sure. I knew that they were popular. I didn't realize it was like, you know, top 10 highest grossing movies of the year popular. Hmm. Uh, coming in at number seven, a, a, a sequel, Jaws 2. Uh, N- no remake. That doesn't count. But they made they made sequels like I'll, crazy okay I'll, we'll give sequels yeah, yeah okay and uh, how long until they remake Jaws I swear to Christ people go back to shark movies over and over again so mm-hmm. you never Orca you, yeah. you didn't really get shark movies well even recently we've had a couple like, right oh that's yeah. true yeah so yeah. I mean you didn't really get shark movies prior to Jaws so yeah like the meters down movies and all that yeah, yeah. number six Hooper the Burt Reynolds classic Hooper. number number, <laughs> Hooper. number five Heaven Can Wait. <laughs> Which was a re- remake. Which was a remake, and got a remake with Chris Rock. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Number four, uh, Every Which Way But Loose. Number three, Animal House. Number two, uh, Grease. And then number one, Joe. Superman the movie. Superman the movie. There you go. Yeah. Which just, gets which got so four eked out a win, beat Grease by just two million dollars. So wow. that's just barely Damn right, Man of Steel. Barely, well, not Man of Steel, but Superman. That, yeah. Just Man of Steel. Don't talk about. Oh, that. it depends. Barely on... pull it out. Depends on yeah, when you say true. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there that is the uh, that is the bad news. Bears go to Japan. I guess let's uh, let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. You can follow me on the Twitter at Joy Butts B U T T S twenty one. 
This is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. Find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Wherever you're getting your podcasts from, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, and, of course, check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. So next week, I guess, more misbegotten sequels. Here's what I think we should do since we did a fun one. I think we should we should do one that uh we should do one for the that's more for the ladies mm. oh all the 50 shades movies all the 50 oh, shades no <laughs> <laughs> i thought it has to be good to start um <laughs> but uh i i say we tackle the blue lagoon and return to the blue lagoon mm. that that uh, first blue Brooke shields yeah Brooke shields yeah that first movie that Mila, was a massive Yehova bitch <laughs> Yeah, Mila Jovovich. The first one was a witnesses. massive hit, and I've never Wait. seen either one. Is she? She's on the sequel, is yeah. she? Mila, she Mila is? Jovovich is the girl in the sequel. In the sequel, oh, I yeah. thought that was. I thought that was one of the Hemingways. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, that's what you are clearly have. not a Jovovich witness, as we spoke yeah. about last. Time. <laughs> I am not. That is so correct. There's homework for those playing along at home that want to keep up with us. We will tackle the Blue Lagoon movies. So I've never seen one. So Me either. it'll be it'll be a fresh take for all of us to figure out what made this so popular in the first. Place. So I've interviewed the guy that takes over the main role in the second movie. He he was in the show Charmed. OK. Brian Krause is the guy. Wouldn't that be interesting? I wonder if he thinks fondly enough. It was his first big acting role. So it's the sure. thing that that's where he got his big break. So, you know, I don't know how he looks back on it, but wouldn't that be interesting to get his opinion, even if for a small clip, if I were able to get his thoughts yeah, totally. on it. Yeah, totally. Do yeah, it. Give it a shot. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, that's what you have to look forward to. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, Eddie Burke brings in some ringers. When America introduced them to baseball, the Japanese adopted it as a way of life. But that was before the Bad News Bears go to Japan. Now, the most successful kids in movie history leave America and set out to conquer the world. It's all right, guys. Take off your shoes. Can we take them to our room? Now, how do I know? Do I look Japanese?